You're listening to Shit Adults Never Taught Us, the podcast where we talk shit in a good way. Today we have Gabrielle Stone, who is the best-selling author of Eat, Pray, FML, and she talks about her second book, which is releasing September 4th. And she even reveals the title in the episode. It's so exciting. I came across Gabrielle when I was publishing my first book. We talk a little bit about her story and the journey that led her to write Eat, Pray, FML. And we also talk more about the general patterns we each have in relationships. So here she is. Hi, Gabrielle. Hi. I'm so excited that you're here because I feel like we've been talking about the book synergy for so long. So let's start all the way back. Okay. Tell people the story of your book and your life and we'll catch up from there. Yeah. So I'm born and raised in LA and was living my life as an actress and director. And I had gotten married and was seemingly very happy. We had a beautiful wedding and went on a great honeymoon and We're nestled into this cute little three-bedroom house that we were renting. And then in 2017, the rug was pulled out from under me and I fell flat on my ass. (laughs) Uh, And I was was married for almost two years, found out my husband was having an affair with a 19-year-old for six months, filed for divorce, left. Shortly after that, I met a guy and we fell madly in love with each other, had this whirlwind romance, like meet my family, have my babies, all the fairy tale nonsense. And he invited me to join him on a month long trip to Italy. 48 hours before we were getting on the plane, he told me he needed to go by himself. And I was absolutely devastated. He broke my heart like my ex-husband never could have done. And sitting on my bed in a pool of tears, I had a decision to make, and that was either stay at home heartbroken or go travel Europe for a month by myself. So I took a backpack and I did six countries over the span of the month. And during that time, wrote the book, Eat, Pray, FML. Okay. Your life is truly remarkable. And something about 2017, I did the same thing. I was in a nine-year relationship. 2017, I ended it. Mm. It seems like everyone else around me did that. So can I ask you a question that you can be like, girl, you are totally crazy (laughs) or you're completely aligned. Yes. So I'm just going to go out on a limb and say, when I left my relationship, we met when I was 19. Mm. We were together for nine years. We moved out to California together with the house and the dogs and all the things that you're supposed to have. Yeah. But I felt sort of like a kid in that relationship in a weird way. And I was 28 when I left. And four months after that relationship ended, I pendulum swung the other way and found a guy (sighs) who had a house, who had been in the same job for 20 years, who felt very stable. And I was in that relationship Mm. for about six months before I looked up and was like, why am I unhappy? I should be so happy. This was, I pendulum swung. And I'm wondering if when you met Javier, do you think part Mm -hmm. of the infatuation with Javier is how opposite he was from Daniel? Big time. Um, I was coming out of a narcissistic marriage that I didn't realize was narcissistic at the time. Um, And I really when the divorce happened and I found out about the cheating, I 
deep down was relieved. I felt like he had given me an out. I know that if he wouldn't have done something so drastic, it would have been a lot harder for me to just walk away. I would have stayed there and worked and you know, been in therapy like we were and continued to fight for this commitment I had made. And he really gave me an out. And I was so grateful for that. And I didn't go looking for another relationship right away. I was very like adamant on, I'm going to be single for once in my life and just totally chill and like let myself, you know, start to love myself and, you know, blah, 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 as we do when we get out of relationships. But my ex-husband was never okay with my career very jealous whenever, which is so ironic now, very jealous when I would go on set or if I would have to kiss someone on in a scene or if, you know, there were male co-stars that were going out to dinner that night. It was very a jealous dynamic. He would not want me to dress certain ways. He would always be like, you should get more blonde in your hair. You should think about getting a boob job. Like all this stuff that is so not okay to talk to the person that you love about um, and was so manipulative in so many ways. So when I met Javier, who was a well-known successful actor, so obviously he wasn't going to give me any grief about my career. He was, he saw the project that I had just directed and was so excited and so supportive. And I finally felt like I had someone that recognized all the work that I was doing in my industry. And he was totally opposite. I mean, my ex-husband is a white guy. Javier is this like very like hot Latin, you know, the typical, you know, what you think of when you think of the hot Latin guy in any film. Um, And he was a lot older. My ex-husband is a year younger than me. And Javier was five or six years older than me, maybe even seven actually. And it, it was complete opposite. So yeah, the pendulum definitely swung. I don't think I was out searching for that, but I think when I got into it, I was like, oh, great. Yes, this is great because it's opposite of the hell that I I didn't know I did it either. I had no idea that I was even looking for stability, but same thing. We were the same age because we had met in college. And then the guy I dated after was like eight or nine years older than me. You just, you don't know it when you're in it. And then you're like, wait, how am I not happy? I thought that this was the opposite Mm -hmm. of what I had. And it is, it just doesn't mean it's what you want. Right. Well, and the answer to that, I would think and say is that it's not about why isn't this person making me happy or why isn't this dynamic making me happy? It's you haven't filled yourself up to make yourself as a whole, as an individual happy. So no matter what you bring in to that equation, if the main variable isn't strong by itself, nothing is going to make you happy. And you're just going to, it's like walking oh, into yeah. a brick wall I over and over. from that relationship. I am someone who likes, I hate feeling sad. I hate feeling uh, vulnerable. And so I left that relationship and, and I was suppressing everything. I wasn't processing anything. And I think part of that was I had been in the process of leaving this person for about four months. We had separated mm-hmm. the bank accounts. He had found a place to live. And when he actually moved out, there was this feeling of relief. I had gone through the process of grieving the life, grieving the relationship, but I hadn't really grieved my future. What I hadn't done is figured out that my future was going to look very different. And I was Mm. so focused on how am I going to pay rent? And we have to split up these dogs and all the 
logistical because that's how my brain works all the logistical aspects that I forgot to focus on the emotional aspects and I was like oh logistically I'm fine logistically I can pay rent and I can do all these things so I must be great and I wasn't great and I didn't I had to do a lot of work on myself after because I was like I need to figure out what I actually want now I know what I don't want which is very informative but let me go find out what I do want and yeah that's just as important Totally. And I think it's, it's, that makes so much sense what you say. And I relate to that a lot with that aesthetically, everything seemed fine. You were like, I'm getting through my days. I'm able to do A, B, and C. Um, And a lot of the times when we are choosing to leave the relationship and we're wanting to leave the relationship, it see, we, we don't think that we need to stop and really grieve the the life we had been planning for so long even if we're relieved to be leaving it there whenever you break up with someone especially if it's it's a long partner or a marriage it really is like grieving a person that died because they are no longer that part of your life anymore and a lot of times we feel okay at first and then we realize that grief and healing isn't linear and it comes up and smacks you upside the head three months down the line and you're like wait what the hell i thought i was fine leaving any relationship (laughs) i'm so focused on natasha get ready you're about to feel some shitty emotions that when Mm. relief comes in it throws you And then you just fall into it because it feels so much better than what you were expecting. You fall into it and you like, I I do, I shut down every other bad emotion because this one feels good. Nobody told me I was going to feel relieved and nobody told me I was going to grieve my own life and my own future and the lifestyle that I had almost more than grieving the person in the relationship. And especially like the courage to fall in love, no one talks about and how much courage it takes to fall in love and then how much courage it takes to fall in love with yourself afterwards. Yes. Especially when Big time. you leave something and you just don't know who you are. So yeah. that's my next question. How did you get from Javier and the whole Europe trip to figuring out who you were when you came back and who you wanted the new Gabrielle to be? So I knew when I found out I was going on this trip alone, I knew instantly that it was happening for a reason. Sometimes, you know, you can't see those reasons until you're a little farther ahead and you look back, you're like, oh, I see now why it all needed to happen. I knew in the moment as heartbroken and devastated as I was, that this was making me go face one of my biggest fears that I've had since my dad passed when I was a little girl. And that's fear of abandonment. And since I've dealt with my fear of abandonment my entire life, I have never wanted to be alone. I always, you know, lived with a roommate or had a friend over and was always in a relationship. I never really was alone. And the universe was like, okay, Gabrielle, we're going to go make you face that shit head on now. (laughs) And across the world in like the biggest way possible. So I knew leaving on this trip that I needed to A, face that and B, figure out how to love myself because everybody's always saying, you know, you can't love another until you love yourself and loving yourself is the most important thing. And I was like, okay, cool guys. I'm ready to to do that. Can anyone tell me how? And nobody could give me a clear freaking step-by-step of like, this is how you love yourself. Like I'm an actor. Tell me what to do. I'll follow directions, you know? Yeah. And nobody had a clear answer. So I was on this trip trying to figure out like what the hell that even meant and then how to do it. I found pieces of it 
on that journey, obviously, as I walked through my healing journey. And when I came home is when it really started to all get put together and when I really figured it out and it clicked, uh, which is why it's written in the epilogue. So it's called the self-love cocktail. And basically what it is, is you sit down and you write a list of things that you're capable of giving your soul that you love, things that make you happy, not that you need from an outside source, not that you need like any other people to be involved, things that you can give yourself on a daily basis that make you feel love. And then you commit to giving yourself things on that list every single day. So when I realized that loving yourself is as simple as giving your soul the things it loves... And when you're in a relationship or any relationship dynamic, like a a partner or a mother-daughter or a brother-sister or a friendship, and you want the other person to feel love, you do things that make them experience happiness and experience love. So when you're talking about loving yourself, why would you not do the same thing for Oh, we treat other people so much better than we treat ourselves. Totally. So having a tangible self-love cocktail. And can you just, for the listeners, say like four or five things in yours? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So mine was um, creating, dancing, healthy eating, going to the gym, writing. And it was things, uh, meditating. It was things, you know, I don't love being at the gym and dripping sweat and working out, but I love the feeling it gives me after. And I love feeling in shape and it helps my mental health. So things like that, that I know are going to make me feel better. And then it literally was like, I had a checklist and it started when I got back from Europe and, you know, I had been on this crazy adventure and everything had been go, go, go for the last month. And then I came home and it just stopped. And I was back living at my mother's house, divorced and single and was like, oh, I'm depressed like really depressed. And it was the kind of depression that's scary because you just want to sit in it. And the self-love cocktail was born because I had to figure out a way to get myself out of that depression. So I put that list on my mirror and I was like, okay, you do two of these things a day and you can get back in bed and like binge watch your TV shows. Oh yeah. Then it would like keep going and I would do it for a couple weeks. And then I'd be like, okay, you do three of these things a day and you can like earn your sadness. And by the third or fourth week, I was like, oh, I'm starting to feel better. I don't feel like I need to get back in bed and be sad. Like I'm going to keep going and like doing other stuff. And it really was the way that it pulled me out of one of the worst depressions I've It's a lot in. like vitamins. Like you take vitamins and you don't, you don't know all the colds you didn't get. So you can't always see the ways you're improving your life. But if you're adding a little bit of things in, over time, you'll just feel better. You may may do one or two of the things on your self-love cocktail and still have a shitty day. Shitty days happen. It's part of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's like having a little toolbox on hand. And for me, travel is such a big one. Oh, What do you think takes more courage, traveling alone or falling in love? Oh, that's a, that's a toss up. I think it depends on what your wounds are from Mm. your past. Um, so I think when all that stuff happened to me in 2017, people always ask like, weren't you you know, skeptical? Didn't you have, you know, like your guard up when you met Javier? And I was like, No, because if I would have put a wall up around my heart and 
not allowed myself to fall in love with what the universe was putting in front of me, I would have never gotten my heart broken, gone on this trip, learned how to heal so much of myself and written this book that's now changed my entire life and reaching people around the world. So for me at that moment, the scarier thing was solo travel and getting on a plane and going and being by myself because my deepest wound was my abandonment issues not and being alone, not having my heart broken. Because up until Javier, I had never really had my heart broken. I had gone through breakups and, you know, I was sad, but never, never had my heart yeah. broken. And when I came back from Europe and was presented, you know, with a new person, that became more scary for me because I had now gone through the heartbreak and was like, oh, I, I had a lot of new beliefs from my, my marriage and my relationship with Javier that created a fear of commitment and a fear of love. So now I was like, solo travel, <laughs> great, let's go. And, but love was now suddenly more scary. So it flip-flopped for me. So I think it depends on what your wounds are that are showing up for you. Do you life, find apparently. that when you enter new relationships, you're looking for answers to previous relationships? Oh, what a good question. For me, when my new relationship presented itself to me, it came wrapped totally wrong for as to what I thought I was supposed to be looking for or I was going to end up with. Um, he was, again, the pendulum thing. He was even older than, than both of yep. my now exes. Um, we're 15, 15 years apart. And he has a daughter from his previous marriage. And it, it just looked like a, a present that was wrapped in a brown paper bag that was supposed to be delivered to someone else. I was like, this, this isn't never going to work. Um, and I fought it for a really long time because I was probably doing what you're talking about. Like I was looking at certain things saying, oh, I don't know if this checks that box or, oh, this might be an X. Yeah. <laughs> like it really overanalyzing things. Um, and I definitely, I, I try really hard to not walk into new relationships with old shit and old baggage. Like I try very hard to not bring the, the BS that was left with, you know, the divorce of, and I try not to bring the, the crap with Javier into the next relationship, but it's hard. I mean, we're human, you know, and we, we have triggers and we have guards up. So I think the best thing that I have been able to do is to openly and bluntly at times communicate what those things are. Um, there are times where I'll look at my boyfriend and be like, yo, this is what you're doing and this is how it's yeah. triggering me. Just letting you know. And then, you know, if you're, if you can communicate that and put that out there, then it's in their court to be able to try and, you know, assess and take care of that and help you work through that. So I'm big on communication, even to the point of it, you know, if it's going to hurt someone or if it's going to not be a fun conversation, it's better to blurt it and get it out than to keep it in and let it. Okay. First of all, when you say he was a brown paper bag wrapped in a bow, did you feel like part of that was you couldn't see the future? You couldn't see the relationship like, or where you fit in. You say he has a daughter and he, he's older and he has a, an ex-wife. Are you looking at the picture being like, but where, do, where does Gabrielle fit in his picture? Is that part of it? Um, yeah, I think 
he, he's always been so gung-ho on me. Um, but I, he came into my life pretty quickly after I got home from Europe. So I was grieving, you know, a marriage, a relationship, trying to figure out who I was in this new life, not really knowing where I belonged in general. And Still in love with my ex. You're probably grieving like a life you thought you'd have. You're grieving. You were living with your mom, right? You're grieving so many things. And if if you're unable to see what your life looks like, if you're unable to look out and be like, okay, this is what my life is going to be. You, it's so hard to be like, this is what my life is going to be, and here's where a person's going to fit into it. It's like impossible. Yeah. It wasn't until I finally threw my hands up and was like, I'm going to stop trying to control shit and just be that all the things started falling into place and it started to make sense. And I like found my footing. Gabrielle, can I ask you a few questions about your life? What is one life lesson that you've had to learn over and over again? Ugh. That no matter what happens or what bomb explodes in my life, that I will be 100% taken care of and okay. Um, I have learned it time and time again. And most recently, I was going back and doing an edit pass on my second book and was reading again that I had forgotten the fact that it was all going to work out and be okay. And I was trying to control things and worry about things instead of just letting go and letting myself figure out the answer. Um, and I think that's like one of my, my biggest lessons that I continually learn to, uh, to just let go and freaking trust that it's all going to work out yeah, and be I'm okay. The, I'm the same way. way. I do have to learn that one every like six months or so. But that's one where I will – poll the audience and take community votes on big decisions in my life. And I will get everyone's opinion. And then at the end of the day, go fuck it. And just like flip a coin. (laughs) Dude, my, my mom always laughs at me because I'll always ask her advice because she's, you know, the closest person in my life. And she laughs because she's like, whatever I say, you're going to do the opposite. (laughs) Even my own head, even when I'm like, this is what I should do. This is sensible. This is what I should do. Half the time, I don't even listen to myself. Yeah, let's go this way. I don't know where that comes from. (laughs) What's one piece of advice you wish you had at 18? Oh, God. Probably the biggest thing that I learned on my Eat, Pray, FML trip, which was you're never abandoned because you will never abandon yourself. Mm. Um, And I lost my high school sweetheart in a tragic car accident when I was 18 and it ripped those abandonment wounds wide open. And I remember being like, I'm never going to recover from this and I'm never going to be able to feel safe in a relationship. And going on that trip, when I realized that it doesn't matter who dies, it doesn't matter who breaks up with you or cheats on you or leaves you, it's never going to be unrecoverable from because you will never abandon yourself. And I will always hold on to it's that. It's the now. same advice I give people when they're like, I'm so afraid to travel alone. I'm like, you're not, you have you, you can trust yeah. your own instincts. You have you and sharing experiences with others is great. But at the end of the day, in 50 years, your own memories are the only experiences that you're going to want to share. That's the lesson right there is yeah. you're never alone. Totally. And I think that you know, as far as solo travel, people are mostly scared of 
the bullshit that society has told us we should be worried about. Like, oh God, you have to go to a restaurant and eat by yourself or you have to figure out how to, you know, go from A to B without anyone helping you with directions. It's like, it's only society's stuff that, that, you know, makes you be like fearful of, of taking that leap. And once you get there and you realize that you're more than capable of doing all of those things, you're like, oh, I didn't need any of this anyways. Every single time I travel alone, I sit in the airport being like, what am I doing? This is a giant mistake. I can't do this. And then I get on the plane. The second I check into the hotel, that all fades every single time. And I like doing hostels, but I do private rooms in hostels so that I can still meet people. But if you're afraid to eat alone, sit at a bar talk to the bartender. If you're afraid to get from point A to point B, map it out before you leave. It's like there are ways around things. People have been doing stuff without, you know, a phone for so long. Uh, What's the best piece of relationship advice you've ever gotten? Uh, I think honestly, and this is, it's going to sound so run of the mill, but to keep your heart open. My mom has always told me in any relationship, even if it's not a romantic relationship, if it's a friendship or a family dynamic, to keep your heart open and lead with compassion, um, to try and see from others' perspectives, not that they will be right, but to try and at least put yourself in their shoes and see where they're coming from. Um, and communication, it sounds so like, yeah, of course, number one thing, communication, but like really yeah. communication. And we um, were never taught how to communicate. I, I've never, like we're taught when we're kids, no. we're taught like, <laughs> don't hit that person. So you're assuming like never fight and no one actually teaches you right. how to fight. They just teach you don't do it. And that's not realistic. Yeah. If you could trade yeah. lives with one person, who would it be for a day? Just for one day. Oh my God. Oh my God. You know, I bet like when people answer this question, it's like some famous celebrity or like, you know, public figure that's really awesome. I would like to change lives with someone who's like comfortably traveling in a faraway country, like a nomadic lifestyle um, that like gets to do really awesome stuff. (laughs) Like just that. A hundred percent. I want to trade lives with somebody who can like be uh, like very athletic and hike all the things that I'm just not capable of doing. What's <laughs> one emotion you wish you were better at and why? Patience. Mm. I am extreme. Sure. Is that an emotion? Yeah. That's an emotion, right? Um, I am ex- <laughs> it is now. I am extremely impatient. Um, and it's, you know, my, my boyfriend has the daughter, so that has been – you know, it, it's been interesting, especially over quarantine with, yeah. you know, Zoom classes and stuff like that. So it's, that's definitely helped on in this department, but I'm just like, when something's wrong, I want it fixed and I want yeah. it fixed now. And if something needs to be done, I want it done now. And I definitely could, you know, have a little bit of chill in, uh, in my life and in, in the patient's What's department. one thing about this time in your life, this moment that you're living right now that you want to hold on to for the rest of your life? Oh, that's easy. Um, the, not even this, I wouldn't even say the success, but the, the reach of Eat, Pray, FML and getting messages daily from people that are reading mm-hmm. it and having, incredible experiences with it. The messages that I have gotten over the last year and a half, well, two years now, 
um, are just life-changing for me um, to know that I've been a small part in people's healing journeys and life journeys is so incredibly rewarding. And it's by far been the best thing that I've done in my life. And it came from a shit storm of hell. Don't all great <laughs> things come from a shit storm of hell? Thank you right? so yeah. much for being here. Will you please tell everyone where you're to so get the welcome. book and any information about book too yes. that you're willing to share? Yes. Yes. So the first book, Eat, Pray, FML, is available exclusively on Amazon. It's in paperback, ebook, and audiobook, which I narrate myself. Um, you can also get signed copies on the website, which is eatprayfml.com. Uh, there's also all the merch on the website there from the podcast that we now have called FML Talk, which has been a whole nother <laughs> wild ride. And book two is officially out and it is called The Ridiculous Misadventures of a Single Girl. And that is also exclusively on Amazon. And, and everybody can follow you on Instagram where? Uh, at Gabrielle Stone. And I think TikTok's at Gabrielle underscore Stone. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you. You're so welcome, girl. Thank you for having me. That's all for today's episode. Check back in next week to talk a little more shit with me. In the meantime, be sure to grab your copy of Shit Adults Never Taught Us on Amazon and Barnes & Noble to learn all the shit adults never taught us. And in case no one told you this week, you're killing it. So keep going, you genuine badass. <laughs>